Hello, everyone from Dartmouth College. I'm Lee Coffin, Dean of Admissions and Financial Aid. Welcome back to The Search. Today, we will continue the conversation about finding the right college for you with a conversation about assessing fit. How do you look at the negotiables, the priorities, and start to explore, shift, rethink what seemed important to you as a junior, maybe less important to you as you move into your senior year and certainly making a final decision. And it makes me reflect about my own college search a while ago now, but I started out as a junior in high school, even into my senior year, thinking I would be a journalism major. And so my early search was predicated on journalism schools until I realized I was more of a liberal arts guy. And so I started to shift and journalism took a backseat to the liberal arts. Big took a backseat to small. Rural took a backseat to city. And the list I ended up with was really different from the one I started out with. So today we welcome three high school seniors uh, who are going to share their thoughts on the search they experienced that wrapped up just a few weeks ago. Uh, so we welcome Jason Acosta Espinosa, who's a senior at Revere High School in Revere, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston. Uh, Jason uh, tells us that he's interested in international relations and psychology, gender and women's studies. He's like me, he was a first-gen college-bound student, uh, and he is the two-time student council president at Revere High School. So I think it's always interesting when you get elected once, you got re-elected. So that says something, Jason, about, uh, about your background. He's a debater, and he's also a barrister at Starbucks. So Jason, you're a busy guy. Uh, we'll also say hello to Ramsey Ash, who's a senior at, from Ona, West Virginia, where he attends Cabell Midland High School. Uh, and uh, when he applied, he was jockeying between first and second place in his senior class. Is that still true, Ramsey? Yes, still true. Still jockeying. It's still jockeying. Good. Uh, Ramsey is thinking about, uh, uh, of course, a study in biomedical engineering and math. Uh, his extracurricular rainbow is really quite eclectic. He is the drum major in the marching band. He started his own B uh, e business. Uh, that looks at protecting bumblebees from rodents. Uh, he's a member of the West Virginia Youth Symphony. He's a Boy Scout, and he's got his eyes on prosthetic design as a path through biomed engineering. So, Ramsey, that's a really eclectic range of interest that you've got. Yeah, I through my high school years, I've tried to just expand on everything and just explore it fully. And I just really also enjoy the arts a lot. I know you mentioned the youth symphony and the drum major, but um, just connecting to other humans through the arts is really my passion yeah, right now. That's great. Um, and then Emma Johnson is our third guest. Emma is a senior from Omaha, Nebraska, where she attends Marion High School. Uh, she shares Ramsey's interest in engineering and theater. Uh, she has done some software design work. She's a member of the Theater Guild, Speech. She's the class treasurer. So like Jason, she got herself elected to a student leadership position. 
and she plays six instruments, including her vocal cords. So you also have a really interesting um, arts background. Yes, um, arts has always been a major part of my life. I started out doing dance um, when I was maybe three or four years old, and that eventually became musical theater and has continued on um, through several instruments. And like Ramsey said, I just really enjoy connecting with other people in a variety of ways. Yeah, it's awesome. Let's talk about um, what each of you had as your priorities as you began your search. Like what kind of colleges, well, let me ask you, let me ask this question a different way. On May 1st of your junior year, um, if you had written down the college where you would have enrolled, did that become the place you enrolled on May 1st of your senior year? Not in the slightest. Not in the no. slightest. Randy's no. shaking his head no, Jason. So as a, as, a, as a lesson to all of you juniors, none of them enrolled at the place that seemed like their first choice in May of their junior year, which is a really important permission slip to give you as you wander the halls of the college search is um, you don't necessarily end up where you think you're going when the search begins. So let's start the conversation with our, with our three friends this week about not the where, but what were the priorities each of you brought into your thinking at the beginning? Like what were the important negotiables? You know, was it size? Was it location? Was it major? Was it financial aid? Was it um, distance from home? Like what were the, the things that you said to yourself, okay, my college needs to be the following. What were the criteria you were using? Okay, Jason, go ahead. Um, so in terms of deciding on colleges, I felt like for a long time, my list was kind of scattered all over the place. Uh, but I think that something that I quickly learned to prioritize, um, um, mostly in the sense of being balanced between being a research school and then also having a strong liberal arts focus. Um, I've always like found myself growing, doing best when I'm in a small, tight-knit community. And that was something that I really looked for um, throughout my whole uh, process. Another thing that was really important to me personally was also just the sense of community and like how passionate people felt um, on campus. Like I knew I didn't want to end up at a school that was very large. Um, like when I saw over 10,000 students at a school, I was like, oh no, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. Like that's way too much. Okay. And then Ramsey and Emma, how did you begin? The things that I chose to prioritize in the beginning because that's what we're focusing on, were um, I was very interested in a STEM major. So towards the beginning, I had a lot of science-based schools and like Jason said, research-based schools. And I was also like different from Jason. I was looking towards a big school with um, probably the university status and just a lot of different people because I had convinced myself initially that the more people there were, the more diversity there would be, mm -hmm. which may be true to some extent, but through my journey, I've um, changed my views on that a little bit. So we can probably talk about that more in depth. Okay, that's really helpful. And then Emma, how, how did you start out with the uh, criteria? So I, uh, middle of my junior year, I had decided to go on a road trip with my dad to go explore maybe four different universities. So over my spring break, my dad and I took a road trip and we visited these four different universities. And I found one school that I had determined was going to be my dream school. And after further research, I realized that it wasn't quite what I was looking for, 
Um, I didn't have a preference small school over large school, and I didn't have any other major preferences other than uh, one specific thing. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't a school that was going to pigeonhole me in something that I realized I didn't want to do. So that allowed me to rule out any universities that were specifically geared towards STEM or specifically geared towards arts, because I knew that if I went to either of those universities, I would lose a major aspect. Uh, Ramsey, you you were nodding as as Emma shared that story. So does it sound familiar? Yeah, um, a little bit different. But I actually, when I decided to graduate early, I had made a deal of sorts with um, my family that I would stay local because of my age um, and just the experience I was losing from like one year of high school. So I had planned to attend a local college um, for at least one year and then reassess if I wanted to try to transfer or something. But as I, and that plan held true up until about November. And then I realized that I had, um, when I had planned to stay for four years, I had had all these dream schools and big ambitions and I had put in all of this work and I had some things that I just wanted to do instead of things that maybe made the most sense or that the people around me thought I should do. So whenever I assessed those wants and the things that I truly wanted in a school, I, similarly to Emma, I expanded my list to about 25 schools, which got narrowed down to about 10 in the end as well. Okay. And I think it's interesting to note that both Emma and I, and probably Jason, did the majority of our exploration online. Even though we weren't under a pandemic then, we had a similar experience um, going through exploring colleges online simply because it's unreasonable to visit yeah. all of those colleges. Yeah. No, I was thinking that as I listened to you and I had clicked through your files in our database and it doesn't look like Emma and Ramsey had visited campus. No. Um, and Jason did uh, at some point make his move. He's a lot closer. But um, Jason was nodding as Ramsey and Emma were talking. So that sounds familiar to you too. I often felt like really constrained. Um, in like my background because coming from like Revere High School, it's not necessarily a high school known for having these like extravagant resources or like having students that are attending these top colleges. I mean, last year, um, oftentimes when I spoke to students at my high school, they would give like a pessimistic attitude and say like, you know what, don't apply to these schools. Like don't expect a lot, like just, um, and so for a while, like when May started um, of my junior year and we were really looking at colleges, I kind of felt like, oh my God, it's a mistake to apply to these schools. Like I should probably just stick with what I know and what I like have been told. Um, and so in, in, in my sense, the reason why I was so afraid of like applying wasn't necessarily like just how long distance it was or like how different it really was, but more like, I just felt like I didn't really belong on campus and I think it's still going to be like a huge struggle and transition as like mm -hmm. a first-gen low-income student so mm -hmm. um but you but you ignored those voices telling you not to move forward like you had a degree of confidence in yourself ultimately to say I'm this is a this is a journey I want to take thank you for sharing that with us I what's interesting is is each of you is describing this beginning part of the journey and the way your priorities shifted. Um, what struck me is how hard it is to keep your own perspective front and center. There's a lot of voices, whether it's family, peers at school, guidance counselor, 
social media, wherever it's coming from. Um, was that a challenge to kind of keep yourself true to your own interests as they emerged? Yeah, so I actually kept my college process a secret from oh. all my friends. Yeah. Um, I did um, discuss it with my family um, because they were helping me with it and providing some of the fees for the applications, thankful for them. But I did not um, really discuss it at length with people at school or um, certain teachers at school, certain counselors at school, just because I knew that, similarly to what Jason said, um, it was not the norm to apply to more than two schools. It wasn't the norm to have a high ambition. It wasn't the norm to seek something outside of the state of West Virginia. It just wasn't the norm. And so I knew that keeping that a secret was going to be the best path for me. And I really think that that helped me focus on what I wanted. And maybe that's not a great piece of advice to like seal yourself off from your peers or something. But I think in the sense of college, it's really got to be all about you. It's one of those times in your life where you can unapologetically just take control of it and apply to what you want. Let's talk a little bit about the about the acceptance rates. Because when you look at a college and our statistics are in the guidebooks or online, in the rankings, um, how distracting is that? Like, I mean, you're, it sounds like the, the degree of selectivity plants some doubt in the way you think about your options. And each of you overcame that doubt through various techniques, whether it was like, just not discussing. I, Ramsey, I had a friend in high school who, like you, did not tell any of us in the honors program with her what she was doing. And when the topic would come up at lunch, she would say, I'm pleased with my choices. And she just kind of left it at that. And at the end of the journey, she just announced one day she was going to Duke. And everyone said, you know, where did that? She said, you know, it's where it was right for me. And I followed my own path. And I didn't need to get drawn into the competitiveness um, of the moment, which I thought was really wise of her to have done that. Um, her name is Cammie, and I still call it the Cammie principle of keeping your own counsel. Just, you know, it's, it, you don't need to feed the beast of competition in your respective junior and senior classes. And being true to your own plans, seeking input when you need them are really important, but you don't need to put it all out there. Um, but let's talk a bit about the acceptance rates. Like, why, why is that intimidating? It's so, like, scary that that's kind of what we've grown to is, like, obsessing over numbers. Yeah. Well, the numbers are measurable. You know, the, there's a lot of numbers that swirl around college admission, and we'll have an upcoming episode where we talk about data, like grade point averages and testing and what it all means and how it fits. But beyond your personal numbers, there are numbers like the acceptance rate, the number of applications, the, the yield, you know, the number of students who accept the offer. It gets reported widely in the media. It becomes taken as fact that this is the most important data. When in fact, I would say as an admission officer, um, the most important data point is something you can't measure and that is your own determination of fit. You know, when you, meet a campus and say, I see myself here. Um, I just wanted to say that I tried to avoid acceptance rates as much as possible. Now, there's a lot of times when it's completely unavoidable because when you Google search something like Dartmouth College, it just, you know, it just, that's how Google works. But, 
I tried to, if I was aware of it, I tried to leave it out of my consideration because it was something that, it, like Emma and Jason both touched on, it's something that can make you question, like, is this really gonna ever pan out? There's a certain extent to where that's wise to consider that because obviously time and money are two things that we can never get back. So you wanna use them as wisely as you can. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's wise. For me personally, I tried to, in the end, when I came, when I narrowed my list down to about the 10 colleges, local or in-state colleges kind of falling towards the bottom and then public universities in other states falling in the middle range and then some highly competitive top 20 schools per se falling at the top range. And I think that that variability really helped me overcome that because I could see myself in all of the colleges I applied to no matter what the acceptance rate was. Yeah. So then whenever the decisions came back, I no longer had to consider the acceptance rate. I was just viewing myself in the colleges. That's really wise. And the, there's a trap in this search. And it's the idea that the reach school on your list is the best option. Mm -hmm. That the safety school, and I don't like that term, but people use it, that the safety school is an option you would never attend. And I would say, don't apply them. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, that a school that is a likely place for you to be admitted is one like Ramsey just pointed out, you should feel really comfortable being part of that student body and the odds of you being accepted are reasonable. And, but I think, you know, a lot of juniors and seniors in high school get caught in that, um, you know, the lower the acceptance rate, the more I must want it. And the higher the acceptance rate, the least compelling it might be. So Ramsey pointed out that like, the juniors in our stay-at-home moment, um, most of you did a search that was virtual. How did you come to that sense of fit when you weren't physically on the campus? Like what worked for each of you as you thought about the place and the people, assessed its vibe? Like what, what helped you think about that? I know that when I was looking into several universities, um, Another one of the things that I really took to be important was that idea that the students and I guess the faculty as well on campus were uh, smart, intelligent, well-rounded people, but weren't so cutthroat competitive that you felt like you couldn't swim with the help of others. Like you, you wouldn't be able to ask anyone for help. And so, uh, to help kind of narrow down and to find that community that really fit me. Uh, if I was looking online, uh, doing my virtual research and I had any questions, I would actually reach out to the admissions team and I would ask for help. And I would try and contact as many people at these universities as I could to really get a feel of what their community was like while just being at home. Mm -hmm. yeah. One thing that really helped me choose this was more for choosing a college once acceptances has come back, but it can definitely apply to creating or refining your list of colleges was to look at how the colleges were handling the pandemic. It's a good example of just random things occurring and problems with students occurring. I know that we've had some issues back home with schools not taking care of their student bodies and just leaving them out to dry. And that would be a telltale sign of how the college would truly treat you in the matter of a crisis, because even if not at the same high stakes as the coronavirus pandemic, 
crises happen every day mm -hmm. in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really telltale sign of how they're going to handle it. So by looking at just the websites, look at their policies that they've written, look at the procedures, look at how the faculty has taken it on. Have they made virtual lessons? Have they put resources out there or have they just posted Google Docs with assignments on it? Mm -hmm. Maybe ask some current students. Like Emma said, reach out to the admissions facility and say, what's your plan right now for handling? Because all schools went on during the spring semester, mm -hmm. to my knowledge. I don't know of any schools that just stopped at right. the collegiate right. level. So that would definitely be a great way to help assess that fit, would be to look at how they're handling the current crisis. Jason, how, how did it feel for you? So I assessed fit um, by visiting some schools. I mean, like being in Massachusetts, you're pretty close to a lot of like really great options. Um, and I would sometimes even just go out to Boston and like go to BU, go to Harvard, like visit and think and see like what I thought. Um, and I remember when I was in like, the city and like those types of campuses I never really liked it like I felt as though everything was so high octane and stressful and nobody was really enjoying themselves and I was not about that life um like I wanted to be happy on campus not suffering um but I also didn't really expect myself to enjoy going or being at a school that's like kind of isolated um in a geographical sense but not necessarily in a communal sense yeah and that's definitely something that I learned to distinguish with a lot of the schools um, is like, even if location might tell you that's rural and you can see cows like right outside your dorm, that doesn't necessarily mean that the people there are isolated or that there's nothing happening on campus. If anything, that can mean that there's even greater opportunities and a stronger sense of community because of how close everyone is. As someone who hasn't really been like a super nature, like hiking person, um, I'm definitely excited to like experience that part of life um, at Dartmouth. And that's something that I didn't really think about as much during my um, time exploring colleges. And I definitely recommend people to look at like what types of opportunities are there around like the area that you're in as opposed to just the school itself. Mm -hmm. No, it's important. Did any of you have um, kind of an that cartoon light bulb moment where you came to a a personal epiphany where you said this is it like did you have a, a like did something just hit you and you said i know yeah so mine was not during the like construction of a list um, i made a lot of my choices later in the year but whenever i was admitted to dartmouth um, we started like conversing with fellow admitted students and just with upperclassmen and everyone was very supportive and just nice but beyond that the light bulb moment was whenever people would say that they were committing everyone would welcome them home mm -hmm. and there was something so special about that and a lot of the videos released from the admissions teams had said it and stuff and i thought that was really sweet but when i saw real like real college students saying that like organically, not being monitored, not being looked after. It was just something that they felt. They felt like they were at home. That helped me feel like I could be at home too. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest to juniors or anyone just considering the list of colleges to try to reach out and just really see, just try to see what that community is like. You have, probably have a lot of free time on your hands right now just try to find someone there and reach out to them. Yeah. Most people love to talk about the college they go to. Yeah, no, it's important. And you do, I mean, what I love about 
the advice you're giving is it can it can be a slow developing process. You don't have to have a aha moment in August before your senior year or even in September or November. It could be April of your senior year where the pieces start to come together. And earlier in the conversation, I was struck by how all three of you talked about how your thinking changed from the beginning of your search as you moved more deeply into it. It sounds like in that moment between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day, at least two of you had a complete reset. I don't know if Jason did the same thing, but Emma and Ramsey got to some moment in December where you realized the list that was about to become your list of applications wasn't quite right. And then you kind of began again and did a really quick search. <laughs> um, and what, what voice was talking to you? And I don't mean your mom or dad, but what voice was in your head uh, in December that you said, Ramsey, this is not the right set of schools or Emma, like let's add 20 more. Like what called out to you in that, in that late moment? <laughs> I put a lot of pressure on myself through high school, which a lot of high schoolers do, especially those with high ambitions. It seems to just be the societal standard that ambitions equals anxiety and just a lot of stuff like that. So through that journey, I had done a lot of studying and just pushing myself. And that moment in December that came was that I didn't want a school where I was going to be solely focused on that. I wanted that to be a main part of my college experience. I wanted to be a successful college student, but I wanted to have the opportunity to explore things to me that were just fun. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about the arts a lot. Those are something that it's a very wide umbrella of things, but a lot of people find comfort in the arts. I wanted a community that had arts within it. I wanted a school that had a symphony. I wanted a school that had a clarinet teacher that could actually teach me on my instrument. That was something that was really important to me. And that didn't fall into the number one or two spot on importance until late in the game mm -hmm. when I reassessed and figured out that that was something that meant more to me, even at times than what major I was going to be getting. Yeah. If I was going to get that developmental experience of the arts that I just wanted, that ended up being more important to me than, for example, the fact that I'm not going to be getting a bachelor's in science for a STEM major. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be getting a bachelor's of arts. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. How did um, you know, Jason introduced himself as a low-income student? And I'm wondering how the question of financial aid entered into any of your searches. And, and was that something you were focused on? Or was it something you and your parents were talking about openly during the whole search? When, if ever, did it appear as one of the negotiables on your list? For me, I think that financial aid really came into play um, more this past spring. I was looking at a variety of schools and as I was being accepted into these schools, I was receiving these financial aid packets. And as I would look at them, I would, I would look at this financial aid and I would say, I'm not quite sure I can afford this, you know? And I would look at a variety of scholarships, but with everything happening with the virus, I lost out on several scholarship opportunities. Um, I was supposed to fly out to a university in New York in March um, about two weeks after everything shut down and it was completely canceled. I was supposed to spend the night in uh, a student's dorm sleeping in a sleeping bag on the floor to compete in a business competition that would have meant 
a full ride. And that would have meant attending or going to a local university. So I, I wasn't aware at that time that I would have the opportunity to attend Dartmouth. Um, but when comparing various financial aid packages, it really did put a lot of, I don't want to say unnecessary stress, but it added extra pressure that I wasn't expecting um, to really make a good decision that was both a good fit for me as an individual, but also a fit for my family financially. I have a younger brother who's going to be entering college pretty soon. He's entering his junior year now and plays a lot of travel hockey, which can be expensive as well. And when comparing various financial aid packages, I found that uh, Dartmouth actually provided the best financial aid package and was much more affordable for my family than some of my other top choice universities. And that was part of the reason why I decided to go to Dartmouth. So, so for you in the final moments, financial aid became a really important um, sorting priority at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in comparison to a few other schools, I mean, that was pretty much what brought down the final decision um, because I had found two or three schools that I really appreciated the community in and they all offered very similar things. Um, it's just Dartmouth, I felt a little more at home when reading over everything that it had to offer and that financial aid package is what pushed it over the edge and why I decided to commit. Mm -hmm. um, Ramsey's nodding. Yeah, so I've been raised in a family where like being rich in love is like more important than being rich in money. So um, even though money is something that we unfortunately have to consider often, it um, tends to not be uh, just topic of conversation regularly because that's just not um, at the center of our beliefs. But obviously college is expensive. It really is. And I had this idea that dream college equals a lot of money. And I think I was kind of proved wrong kind of like what Emma said, um, I, was, I was all set to take the full ride to the local college that I've talked about a little bit. And, but then whenever um, I got my admission offer and some financial aid letters, I was kind of seeing that I had to choose, do I want it to be cheap or do I want it to be a good experience? Mm -hmm. And even though it is wise to not want to enter insane amounts of debt, in the first four years of your true adulthood, I think that there is a lot of personal decision to be made if the extra money is worth it. Mm -hmm. And in my personal opinion, if you think you're going to be getting the best experience, the money will fall in place. So at the beginning of your search, as you were sorting and exploring, was cost one of the factors at the beginning or did this come into the conversation later? Cost was one of the things that would have stopped me from applying. And I'm really glad that I pushed myself past that. So I definitely considered it through the whole process. Um, but in the beginning, it was more of a negative. And in the end, it ended up actually being a positive. Like Emma said, something that helped out my decision. So Jason, hey. you, um, you were a member of the QuestBridge uh, scholarship program. So that tell us about, so for our listeners who might also be uh, part of that, kind of network of high achieving low income students around the country. How did like, how was affordability part of your thinking as you kind of met Questbridge, but also just throughout this experience? Well, I think that as someone who has to think about finances 24 um, seven, I never really had the luxury of 
having caused her to be something that's like a last minute decision. So I think that's something that I ended up rushing a lot throughout my college process in terms of like finalizing everything um, was knowing how I can make these decisions happen for myself and like knowing what types of opportunities would help me with that. Um, with QuestBridge, I just found such a strong community of like-minded people um, who were so welcoming, but also like not allowing their barriers to like bring them down. And I think that that was something that was really inspiring for um, not just myself, but for a lot of the community, um, especially seeing some of the active chapters uh, on uh, some of the college campuses. A lot of the schools that I ended up applying to were through QuestBridge, um, and I had only done the regular decision portion because I didn't feel like my application was ready. Um, and that's something I definitely like to point out um, any like first gen low income students is be very careful when you're applying under early decision or, or, or early some sort of binding program because sometimes it's really you might think that there's a certain cost associated and then it ends up being a lot higher than it might um, actually turn out to be. Um, so just be really careful in knowing that you need to make sure that your finances are being thought of thoroughly um, if you are a low-income student who like is relying on financial aid packages. Um, I also think that there's something uh, to be said about students that are low-income and super involved on campus, and I've definitely seen a lot of that at Dartmouth. Um, through the QuestBridge group chat that I'm in for Dartmouth students, there are so many passionate voices, um, like my friend Sam, um, she's such an involved person on campus and doesn't allow like her barriers to sort of break her down and she tries to be as vibrant as possible and like as involved as possible, um, even if she's a little different from the general or from a lot of student uh, members of the population. I think that she tries so hard um, to really like shine in a, in a time and in a place where like it can be really difficult to do so. Um, and I think that's connecting to those students and reaching out to what they thought was important and what they received from Dartmouth was something that was really inspiring for me. Thank you. Well, th thanks all three of you. This has been such an interesting and lively conversation. Assessing fit is one of the most important and elusive parts of your search. You have to ask yourself a really personal question. Where do I see myself? Which campus among my many options speaks to me most clearly around the program, the people, the place? And how do I see myself thriving across each of those questions? Fit may be something you feel in your instincts more than your ability to spell it out, that's okay. Uh, but the point of what a good search will ultimately lead to is a match between your aspirations for college and the college's opportunities and offerings. And that is a question only you can answer. It would be like going into an ice cream shop and saying, tell me what your best flavor is. The answer to that question depends on your own taste buds. And my answer won't be your answer. So own it, make it individualized, and follow the path that feels right to you. Our next episode, we will expand this conversation about discovery and fit to look outside the United States and meet some students from three very different places who launched 
and American College Search from Abroad. And I think you'll find that conversation illuminating and exciting. So until then, I'm Lee Coffin from Dartmouth College. See you soon at the search.